Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. And all eyes on number 12, Cade McNamara back on the field with a helmet and pads the whole nine yards for Iowa football. Team sharing that on Twitter and social media yesterday, confirmed by SID Matt Weitzold. That is a current photo. So Cade McNamara did return to practice just as we get into game week 2023 for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks as we get into our season previews. Mitch Fick with Owen Sebring and Mike Howell. We've all been building to this. Cade McNamara coming back and certainly something that we were hoping for if you're a Hawkeye fan to get Cade back before the start of the game week against Utah State. Been a lot of snaps taken by Deacon Hill in the interim. Got it plenty in the spring as well uh, as Cade was coming back from surgery. But Owen Kirk said he was hopeful that not just Cade, but Joey Labus would be back uh, to get back into that quarterback two or three spot. Uh, seems like, knock on wood, we don't have any wood near the desk. I think this is some, maybe, some type of wood. Anyways, all hope that uh, people are healthy and we're doing well as we get into game week. Uh, one thing you said there was that he's back in helmet and pads. Is he wearing pads? I can't see from this I uh, Sure, angle. yeah. I yeah. Mean, That's true. They're just in shirts just, and shells, helmet, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, if he's out there, I have to imagine – it was not an accident that they... This included. wasn't just for the gram, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they included Kate in that picture, uh, which does... It did surprise me a little bit, honestly, because I'd been thinking all along, especially you and I talked about that video that um, Shannon Earhart, our <laughs> colleague from KCCI, had posted this last week where she's sitting down with Kate McNamara <laughs> and he just kind of gives a brief answer about, you know, I'm, it's, it's coming along. That's, that's all I'll say about it. I really thought, you know, we would not know if he was going to play until Saturday at 11 a.m., um, I thought that, you know, it was going to be right down to the wire that we didn't know if he was going to be out there or not. People did not know what to think of that. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just the stir-crazy late August stuff we need to have definition or got to have something to comment on. But people, boy, they <laughs> dissected that little that little statement from Kay during that interview with mm -hmm. Shannon as, as much as you could. But, hey, 12's back out there. Uh, still don't have his official status, but I imagine – that's a better step forward than backwards, certainly. So, yeah. uh, again, one of the positives, if you want to take anything from uh, Cade missing a couple weeks after that uh, open scrimmage injury to his right leg there, is that Deacon Hill does get some quality time with the ones. And, boy, if you can get your backup some good time like that, and of course, uh, again, in the spring got plenty of time, too. It helps out a little bit. So here's Kirk Farron's last Tuesday talking about the benefits of that and then uh, voicing his uh, opinions on seven-on-seven -on -seven football as well. To get Deacon reps with the ones is some sort of benefit. Yeah, it is. It's been great. And, uh, you know, Joe, I think we'll be back here at the end of the week, too. It's been great if both those guys, you know, because Marco's been getting the twos and he's yeah. done a nice job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you always look for a positive, and that has been the positive. And, you know, you think about him, he hasn't played since 20, which I think he was in high school then. So there's just, you know, it's like anybody. you got you got to operate and you got to go. And I can say the same thing about Cade. You know, Cade needs work with our team right now because you know, he basically was out last fall. So there's there's that timing part, and not to be anti seven on seven, but I I, I, I do hate seven on seven. Okay, <laughs> the the proliferation of seven on seven, guys can't take a snap under center, and uh, it's not real football because in real football guys are rushing you, and if they hit you, they might really hit you, and we don't tackle our guys. I'm certain to think maybe we should have uh, the quarterbacks just to give them a sense that like it's real out there. Like these guys are going to try to knock your head off if they can. So, uh, anyway, yeah, all this practice is, is going to be. It's been helpful for him, and, and Cade needs some too. 
You know, Kirk said at Media Day, uh, I'm almost direct quoting here, I'm a senior citizen, I'll say whatever the hell I want now. <laughs> he, it's, it's shown up a little bit these last uh, last week and a half or so. He's, <clears throat> he's voiced his opinion on a lot of different things, certainly on the gambling investigation we'll get to in a little bit. But speaking of injuries and learning more about those, one of the bigger announcements for the Big Ten over this past weekend is two hours before kickoff, I believe it is, Mike, now, we're going to start getting injury reports. We're wondering maybe if, if this will apply to the non-con schedule or just once we get into the, the Big Ten season, but there are going to be actual injury reports giving a, a little more guidance on who's in, who's out, who's uh, what kind of status. Again, in this world of gambling, that's one of the big reasons for that. But yep. uh, that's a big deal because we're always looking around during pregame of like, okay, who's out there? Who's in? Yep. <laughs> who's in sweats? What's going on there? Uh, you know, a little more information is probably going to be good. Do you think uh, you mentioned the gambling stuff? Do you think that that's the primary reason yeah. why, why this yeah. is gambling? I mean, I, it, I think it. Even, if, Mike, if I'm wrong, I don't know if you have the it pulled up. I think it even says something about like transparency for that. Yeah, I got the CBS report pulled yeah. up right now. It's, it's just interesting that, like, again, with all the discussion about gambling and students being in trouble for gambling in the offseason, that it's like the Big Ten is enacting policy to help the, <laughs> the gamblers right now, right? Yeah, like, it's – uh, I, I we, think that's irony. Full season, too. That's what this report makes me okay. believe. So, so I'd imagine, okay, then, then we'll have that on Saturday yeah. as well. Well, yeah, as uh, as gambling does seem to make the world go around more and more in this world, that Kirk continues to talk about how much it's changing and this being one of the big things, certainly on the, on the college football side. Again, the big news coming out of Tuesday when we still didn't know exactly about uh, Cade's status is that Noah Shannon, because of his involvement in this probe, right now is suspended for all of 2023. Yeah. Just such a tough spot for a guy who, you alluded to this last week too, made the decision to come back for another year. And you wonder, boy, well, you know, what if he, he didn't and was yeah. in the in the pros right now? But that's, that's the situation here. And uh, again, uh, a hit to one of Iowa's deeper spots on the defensive line, but man, you just can't help but feel for Noah Shannon, no matter, no matter the circumstance, no matter what you condone or don't condone about involvement, just a, an immensely tough spot for everything that we've heard for just a, a fantastic human being on top of everything. Yeah, I have to imagine that even he himself has been thinking about, like, gosh, what if I had <clears throat> made that decision can't and gone to the that. NFL and just, like, not, you know, none of this would be coming up. My name would be still, you know, have, have, uh, have that – positive reputation behind it um that's that's tough for him because the only thing we ever hear about Noah Shannon is positive glowing remarks uh this is only you know conjecture on our part but one thing that Kirk said was that you know that uh, how, how did he put it about like he just got kind of got caught up in caught the up moment. in the emotion which yeah. again <laughs> we, d we don't know what Noah bet on anything like that it from from Kirk's phrasing of it made it sound like maybe a certain team made a really deep run in some sort of tournament um and yeah yeah listen it, but again if you're a 22 year old kid because 22 year olds that's a legal adult age but we were all 22 and i i can't think of how immature i could be at sometimes yeah. 15 years ago or making decisions where you just don't think about it and especially getting caught up in the emotion and yeah it's a, a tough spot and you're not thinking about your eligibility you want to support right. your school again it, we do know it was a team at the university of iowa and Kid just clicked a button on his phone, as far as we know. And you know, Kirk, Kirk clearly spends a lot of time thinking about it because every every time he speaks about it, I feel like I'm impressed with some piece of understanding or like something that he's really thought about it. And it's definitely been a thought out issue for him. And um, one of those things was just that, like, 
Uh, kids can commit a lot of crimes and they will get less of a suspension than this. And Noah didn't even commit a crime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, you know, and, the and other guys really fair point that it's like, how is he getting suspended for a year when there are other guys who commit a literal crime and get less of a suspension than this? Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about, there are student athletes involved in this probe that have are accused of committing crimes because of their age and using somebody else's identity to acquire a, a, a betting yep. account. He's of age. Yeah, he Noah's not placed, one of those. placed a legal bet. He just violated an NCAA or is accused of violating an NCAA policy. So here's Kirk on Noah, and uh, then we'll get into a little more of what Kirk thinks about this whole investigation at Iowa and Iowa State. But here's Kirk on Noah. I think it's punitive, uh, me personally, and uh, just I'm hopeful that they'll reconsider his case. And I'm, I'm, I don't say I'm confident, but I would assume at some point they're going to reshape what they announced back late April and early May in terms of the uh, policy moving forward, just because, you know, similar to the drug testing policy, it's, much, it's radically different than it was two years ago, and our, our culture is radically different as a country. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that they'll catch up maybe in their thinking a little bit as it pertains to Noah. And, uh, you know, again, I can't say enough about him. And it just, you know, he committed a lot of other crimes. <laughs> he hasn't committed a crime. He could commit crimes and, and get a lot less uh, of a punishment, which is seems kind of funny in some ways. And With Noah, did the did the NCA give you any rationale for why it was? I've, so I've seen nothing in writing. Yeah, so I I know he bet on one of our other sports teams here, and I understand that you know that may be a bad thing. He bet for them, and I'm guessing he got caught up in the emotion. And uh, again, I just you know I don't I don't do this stuff, but I you know it's on their phones. You know people are enticing him with apparently you know three three hundred bucks credit if you go with us. All that stuff. I think it's just time to really recognize the world these guys are living in and maybe, you know, be, be a little bit compassionate towards that. Yeah, he alluded to the the accessibility. We, we've talked about this on, on here before. Just you can order dinner and place 20 bucks on the Hawks to win. It's right next to each other. On the, it's it's so simple, and, and there are the guidelines of not betting on your, your own school, which you can understand, you know, these yep. student-athletes mingle together. But it also feels like, Again, to Kirk's point, not condoning anything. The, the guidelines are the guidelines. But any college student could possibly have that information if you are friends with these mm -hmm. players and teams. it's yeah. You get what the NCAA is doing uh, to, to try to preserve in, in integrity and, and make sure everything's on the up and up. But, yeah, just, just an immensely tough spot, especially for a kid who wasn't betting on his own team, certainly one, I don't know, a team that, yeah, he probably had friends on, but it's uh, – it's it's a difficult spot. Yeah, I, and I would imagine to Kirk's point about just rules changes. I mean, I think that it's possible even within a year from now, there's there's yeah. some rules changes about this that we see that um, is really going to affect things, and it makes it in hindsight is going to make it harder on these guys like Noah and the Hawkeyes that get in trouble because it's like they just were a year ahead of the curve. Yep, because someone had to be first, and it is certainly Iowa, and of course everything going on at Iowa State, which really makes Iowa's situation pale in comparison quite a bit, but. Kirk Ferentz, we've heard quite a bit about what he has thought about all of this and why Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, here's some more of his thoughts on the uh, not just the NCAA investigation, but of course the DCI probe as well. I guess it's our bad luck because, as far as I understand, it's a state thing. Uh, why those two universities only were targeted? And my guess is we could probably fill, uh, maybe not Phil Kinnick, we couldn't fill Kinnick, but probably could fill Kinnick with all the college student student athletes that have student athletes or students that have gambled and. Again, I, I understand we're compliant to the NCAA rules. I get that, but I just think probably needs to be rethought a little bit and Please. modernized. It's on their phones. You know, people are enticing him with apparently, 
you know, three, 300 bucks credit if you go with us, all that stuff. I think it's just time to really recognize the world these guys are living in and maybe, you know, be, be a little bit compassionate towards that. I can't imagine we're the only state where college kids bet. I, can't, I just can't imagine that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's like rounding up 20, 20 year olds that had a beer. So, you know, that, that would fill Kenick, I know that. And uh, so, you know, for whatever reason, we're the lucky ones, we're the chosen ones, you know. We just got to really benefit from this whole uh, deal. And I'm, I'm really not sure what the point was. And I, I don't I have a respect for the law. Don't, don't misunderstand that. Uh, I have high respect for the law. But I, I'm not sure I understand, you know, what happened. So, uh, you know, but it, that's not the issue. The issue is if somebody bet on us, that, that to me is the issue. And that is an issue. And nobody's running from that, totally on that. Just like, you know, yeah, anything else, I mean, nobody's running from that one. Every analogy falls apart at some point. There's no perfect analogy in the world. But Kirk's analogies about drinking, I, I do think, are a really nice good way to at least think about it in terms of why we're you know being so stringent about these rules but again somebody who drinks a beer under the age of 21 <laughs> i mean we just take it as as rope like that's that's just a, a kind of a fact of life but this we're being so serious about it's yeah, it's someone had to be first you know like i said and it it i think everything we've heard is that dci got some sort of tip and that led to the investigation so i mean that's that's what it comes down to. Why are you first? Because the other 49 states that maybe have uh, an ability to do this didn't have somebody say something, the, the proper authorities. I know in, you know, when you try to think about what do you do about this moving forward, what we, we'll see from the NCAA in the years to come in, in terms of that. I don't think we'll get into a situation where like they have in Illinois, where in the state of Illinois, you can't bet on the University of Illinois and those athletics, hmm. um, much to the chagrin of people I know who live in Illinois who mm -hmm. want to come NCAA tournament time or things like that, or you have an Illinois team uh, that, that made a nice run in the Big Ten West last year. I don't think you can take that away in the state of Iowa, betting on Iowa athletics because of the lack of pro sports here. I mean, that's such a huge driver in the fall and winter and spring are Iowa athletics, yeah. betting on those. Um, I do think it's it's just a wait and see of, of what the NCAA wants to do if they – pull back their regulations at all that you can bet on sports that you aren't participating in at your school. You just can't bet on yours. I mean, that's certainly the, the big one that everyone's watching. It's why right. Arlen Bruce is the, the biggest name to come out of this because of how frequently he was betting on Iowa football during 21 and 22. But yeah. um, for right now, the three guys that we do know that are still on the roster at Iowa, Shannon, uh, Jack Johnson, and uh, Aaron Blum, who are both charged with tampering for being underage and having those accounts, they're still all, all on the roster. So it's Really wait and see. We might know in the next 48 hours um, mm -hmm. as we get into Tuesday and, and yeah. talk to Kirk and the players for the first time what the what the scenario will be going into the season. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I uh, – w whatever happens next, I mean, it, it's just hard to say what it's going to be going for because since they legalized gambling in Iowa, the money has just poured in. I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible the amount of money that, that this has provided. And so um, it's hard to ever think, like you say, about not – allowing gambling on the Illini, uh, doing that in Iowa would just be, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the amount of money would, would really uh, scale back so much that there's just no way they could ever do that. But it's um, big enough that I did a, I did a special report going into Super Bowl Sunday of 2020, which was the first Super Bowl that you could bet on in the state of Iowa, August 15th, 2019 is when sports wagering went on. And the books even said, uh, alluded to the fact that, there's a lot of action on Iowa football to the point where if Iowa covers the spread more often than not in a month, that's a bad month for the books mm -hmm. because a lot of people, I mean, Iowa nowadays, the joke is, yeah, you're going to bet the under, but 
lot of Iowa fans aren't going to bet against the Hawks. Yeah. And so if I was covering spreads and winning games, they're, that's not good for the books. I don't know uh, how much more time we want to spend yeah. on this, but maybe this will be the last thing just to see like what your guys' opinion is. Because I'm still not sure where I land on how I think that they should proceed when it comes to Iowa athletes. Obviously, gambling on your own sport, like your own team, like definitely like that's got to be you know for sure verboten. But when it comes to a Hawkeye athlete gambling on another Hawkeye team, you know, somebody putting some money on the Final Four or whatever when it's the Hawkeyes playing there. Do you guys think that that should be forbidden as well, or should that be allowable if it's not your sport, but it's at your same university? And it's tough. I I side on the side of, yeah, it shouldn't be allowed, just yeah. because they, you think that they would know, or they had the possibility of knowing players mm-hmm. um, and are friends with them. They know if, you know, if, say, Kate Martin's hurt and we don't know about it, they would know that, oh, I think, you know, tonight she's going to have, you know, she's nursing an injury this is hypothetical obviously but those are the kind of things that I think of you know yeah yeah it's tough like I said you know any college student could could know this stuff that that goes to to class would could have that insider info anybody else that's on that campus talking to these recruits but it's different it's you know the accepted responsibility of your NCAA student athlete Not, not to mention the fact that like I don't know I have to imagine that there are rules around this that I could probably look up but like what about athletic trainers? Everybody, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they could put down some money on a game because of an injury that they know about, but um, and there probably are rules against that. But there are, yeah. I think about. I think there's a Iowa football not not a trainer, but a not a, a staff member that is involved somehow. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to misreport it, but a, man, a manager, yeah. All yeah. those people, the trainers, anyone in the program, you know, they cannot link to the yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So All we'll right. see. Let's uh, let's put that in the past as much as we can until we uh, get more updates. Let's move to the 2023 season. It is game week. Utah State comes to town. So we'll get into that uh, Thursday more more so about just the game itself and what we learn uh, in Tuesday's pregame uh, interviews and whatnot. But we want to get into kind of the overview of the 2023 season, going through our picks for guys that are going to break out some bold predictions, things like that game by game, what we see. So we will get into it here. We'll start though. Of course, the focal point for 2023 is seeing improvement in the Iowa offense. Owen and Mike, who are your 2023 picks for Iowa's offensive MVP? Let's start with you, Owen. Okay. Just because I have the graphic ready. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I went maybe a little bit outside of what some people might expect. Um, Everybody's talking about Cade and the the shiny new toys, the new additions. Uh, My offensive MVP is uh, Caleb Johnson. Guess who my offensive MVP is. (laughs) We'll get to that in a little bit. KJ? I I, I totally agree, but go ahead. Uh, Yeah. I, I just think that... People are overlooking him a little bit right now, if that's possible, just because of all the new additions that we've seen in the offseason, talking about, um, you know, Cade and talking about Seth and and the other Caleb that joined the roster. Um, But I think that, you know, he he was so good last year in in so many games, and I think that that was just kind of his breakout season, and now um, he's going to be, yeah, he could put put up some potential for um, a lot of Big Ten honors, I think, this year. Was Was he, like, what was it last year? Big Ten All Freshman Team or something like that. Pretty sure he made the fresh. He was. Um, let's see, looking it up. Honorable mention Freshman All American by College Football News. Honorable mention All Big Ten. Yeah. Um, was Offensive Player of the Week, Freshman of the Week uh, for that 200 yard game at Purdue. And so I, I, I suppose you, you can see now all, all of my uh, predictions for for the season up on the screen. So 
Yeah, Caleb Johnson, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, maybe a little bit less of a surprise. Cooper DeGene, I think that with all of his preseason All-America honors that are coming in. Um, Cedar Rapids Kennedy, super fan. Kennedy, Cooper DeGene. <laughs> I saw him there on the sideline last night. Um, breakout player, um, I don't know. I, I just have got a good good, good feeling about Seth with the experience he brings to the team. I think that uh, he's going to really be a, a crucial addition to the offense. Um, bold prediction for this season, I don't know. I always got a player finish. Sure. Is that bold? I don't know. That's that a bold. that's a bold prediction, right? When was the last time Iowa had a guy in the top ten for the Heisman? Was Sean Green? In the Probably would have been Sean. Yeah. Right. So fifteen so. years. He, he wasn't invited. Sean was top ten. He was like six or something. Yeah, he was just outside right, the, yeah. the invited. So it must it was him. Yeah. Yeah. So. God, it's uh, been fifteen years and, since Sean Green. Went. And I think <laughs> I, I think I I think I just put Iowa as a player just because I didn't want to commit to somebody entirely because there's there's a, maybe a few players that it could be. Sure. I think that Caleb Johnson could be that guy. I think that Kate McNamara could be. Cooper that could guy. easily be that guy. Then. <laughs> yep, Cooper could be that guy. That was my next thought. Um, so anyway, but but yeah, I think that if if the offense produces as much as uh, we're we're hoping and thinking that it could with Kate, I think that. Uh, they could have somebody that really turns into a nationwide breakout star this year. That's the hope. Mike, you want to go or should I? I can take it. All right, go ahead. Here's mine. I, I think offensive MVP, I kind of win. You know, I don't think this is a bold prediction, but Cade McNamara, it's been a while since we had a quarterback who could, you know, um, beat teams downfield yeah. um, since Nate Stanley. I think if he does come in and uh, produce the way I think he can, then I think it's going to be night and day, the offense. So I think that's why I picked him. Uh, I think Deontay Craig is going to step up. And my bold prediction is him having double-digit sacks. I looked it up, and in the last 15, 20 years, only three players have done that. AJ did it twice, and Claiborne in 09, Adrian Claiborne. Uh-huh. Huh. So when you look at the, st- the sack totals and the stats every year, it's always like six, six, six. You know, a lot of guys have several sacks, but I think he gets over the 10 double-digit mark. Wow. And my breakout player is Aaron Graves. I assume okay. he's going to start for Noah Shannon. And he was kind of all over the place at, at Kids Day. Um, he's We all know he's a beast, so I think he's going to be a, yeah. a stud this year. Love that pick. I, I, I keep kind of forgetting about Aaron Graves um, just because of all the other names that are floating around out there. I kind of forget that um, you know he, he played a, a decent amount last year, but you're, you're right, he could, he could have a great breakout season. My favorite fact about Aaron Graves was that he had his – he had a college diploma before he had a graduated high school, high school yeah. <laughs> diploma. He's the Tony um, Stark of uh, Iowa football. Just the <laughs> smartest kid. He's yeah, uh, yeah. incredible and shooting up the uh, I think some of the weight room uh, charts too. He's yeah. just a strong kid and smart. He's tough to stop. All right, so most of my stuff's already been picked, but here we go. Uh, my offensive MVP again, Caleb Johnson. Man, he didn't get a ton of carries in the first few games either, and for, to put up almost 800 yards and six touchdowns, Iowa has not had a. Uh, hasn't had a thousand yard rusher since 21, so it hasn't been that long. But uh, Tyler Goodson had a, a great year. It'd be great to see a guy go a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. It's probably maybe been since Sean since I was had. Something like that would be pretty impressive. Joe Evans is my defensive MVP. Um, again, talk about a guy who has just been steady and consistent. Last year's technically his first year starting on the line, but he's 18 and a half career sacks. He had six, I believe. Let me see what we got. Um, like he has a, like 13 or 14 in the last couple of years, though. I mean, he's just kind really of a bold good. prediction. Just again, somebody that you know nobody's sure. really talking about on the defense. Yeah, and so that's and, ag- it, and right? again within uh, maybe it's uh, within the team 
award a guy who's just been there for years and years and is always consistent, maybe has an opportunity. We've, we've seen, I mean, that that play against Ohio State where he just shoves down C. Trace Stroud and takes the ball away. He's a dude right. that can make plays. And, uh, yeah, so the Joe Evans would be my guy who maybe is the one who's tying that whole defense together. Breakout player, again, can't argue with Seth Anderson. He's got speed. He showed so much during that scrimmage. Um, he'd be a good outside threat, even with – even with Nico and, and Deontay, I think going to be the steady stalwarts there. Um, everyone's going to be hyped about Caleb Brown and what he could eventually do. Uh, but I think Seth's the proven commodity who could come in and really make some noise there. Eric Hall is probably going to get some numbers too, so we can throw him in there as well. Yaha Black around the uh, same uh, reasons for Aaron Graves. He's going to be able to rotate into that D-line. I think he's going to be something special. Maybe not... Maybe not to the level of Davion Nixon and what he was. People forget about Davion Nixon there in 2020. <laughs> yeah, Dude made noise. Yeah. Um, I think Yaha's set up the pride of Marshall, Minnesota, maybe having uh, some big there. And then my bold prediction with some context, Jamari Harris coming back off that injury that may, made him miss all of 2022. I think he has more picks than Cooper. This is partially the kind of the Desmond yes. King, Riley Moss uh, conundrum, if you want to call it that, where teams just aren't going to bother throwing that way. Desmond yeah. had eight picks in 2015. I think he had three in 16. Riley had his big year in 21. He had one pick last year, and it was that diving one behind him off the tip against Wisconsin. I think teams are just going to look away from Cooper, and unfortunately, the only other option they're going to have is Jamari, who, again, was playing as well as anybody at the end of 2021. So yeah. not a, this is not a knock on Jamari. Be like, oh, we're going to pick on him because he's the lesser of – yeah. Lester of the two, he's they're just going to avoid Cooper at all costs. And Jamari, we saw that pick he had against Cade in the scrimmage. High point in the ball. He's just – he's so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jam- Jamari's going to be really, really good. He could he could end up being the defensive MVP too. I didn't pick him just because I wanted to pick somebody else. But Jamari's going to have a year, I think. Yeah, it's funny. As, as I was even making that prediction for defensive MVP with Cooper DeGene, that was my only caveat was I was like – and I even thought about Desmond King, the yeah. Desmond King factor, where it's like, you know, he's come back and everybody knows about Cooper DeGene and all his preseason accolades. So it's like people are just not going to throw the ball his direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but – the only thing working for his favor is the fact that you do have Jamar Harris on the other side. And so, you know, again, pick your poison. Um, there's there's just a lot of danger in that uh, secondary, as we've talked on this podcast about previously. Wonderful problem for Iowa to have. Too many good people in the secondary. I'm surprised none of us picked Xavier Wampa. I think my r- rationale, at least for not being breakout or anything, was just he's a five-star, and it's just kind of been assumed that he'll mm-hmm. he'll be great eventually. We saw the flashes in the Music City Bowl. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to the X. We would never do that. <laughs> uh, I had the same thought. Like I was like, hey, do I put Xavier up there? And I'm like, well, it wouldn't really, to me, I guess I don't want to say I'm expecting him to be breakout, but I, if, he, if he does break out, it's like, okay, sure. that's what I thought he was going to do because he's so talented. Yeah. We're just contrarians. Could, we just want to go against the grain. I can yeah. very much see it being uh, last year, if we're making the last year comparison, Cooper DeGene is Riley Moss and Xavier Wampa is Cooper DeGene. Sure. Where, you know, people are avoiding him. Uh-huh. Xavier's the guy who, you know, has some pick sixes and gets a lot of INTs. This there year. are so many guys on that defense that could break out. Again, Jay Higgins, I've I've pumped him up a bunch. I think he would Nick Jackson, again. Yeah. Nick was it's, probably it's, my second choice there. For it's tough to take him breakout because he's got 327 yeah. tackles in college. Uh, he could easily be MVP. Uh, Quinn Schulte is a really popular pick for one of the best safeties in the in the league right now. So it could be anybody that does that. Again, Iowa defense, seven, eight, nine guys. Sebastian Castro could be another breakout. Again, mm-hmm. there, there's no wrong answers here, so that's good because yeah. I, I think we covered a lot of space. Um, Mike, you've got some some questions you wanted to throw at us and then some trivia too. So let's yeah, get to let's that. shift back to the offense. I was just looking up 
you know, that's the the big ticket item that people want to want to know about. Um, so I was looking at some stats. Caleb Jackson had 762 yards rushing last season as a freshman. Um, do you guys think he rushes for a thousand yards? That one marker every year. Since he's our offensive MVP, both I would say yes. Yeah, right? I, I'd I'd be shocked if he doesn't reach a thousand this year. I guess it, I mean if if he stays healthy, I don't see any way he doesn't reach a thousand. Yeah, that I I think I won't say easily because LeSean's going to get his carries. He had that long touchdown mm-hmm. run in the scrimmage, so he can do it. I know the uh, Jazz Patterson flashed a lot in Music City Bowl. They really like Kamari Moulton. I don't know if he'll get yeah. some some good non con reps, but or. Uh, it, yeah, they've they've got options, but it's it's Caleb's show. Another sure. possible like caveat there is that he, it could be more all-purpose yards than rushing yards because sure. again, if Cade likes to throw a lot, Caleb seems like a back that you know could you know do some short hits, sure. and catch the ball out of the backfield too. I think a lot of this is going to come down to Hayden Large too. Uh, I get you know six-five fullback moving over from tight end coming from Dort. Uh, there's been a few shots in in camp videos that they released where. Yeah, he found his leverage, and he was getting down and laying some nice blocks. So I think as as Hayden goes, as they try to replace Monty Potabom, uh, that running attack do. But we've seen good stuff, and the O-line's a, a year more experienced, so it does feel like kind of the perfect storm to have a, a really big year for, for Caleb. So I'll, I'll say, yeah, definitely over 1,000. This question leads me to the Hawkeye trivia question, and I had some graphics, but I forgot to import them, so I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, um, Caleb Johnson and... Sean Williams being that kind of dynamic duo. Maybe Williams has um, some of his yards. Mm. I was looking at some stats throughout the years, and there's only one season where Iowa had two running backs each get 1,000 yards. So can you name the duo and the year they did it? It'd be Freddie and Jamel, right? No. What? A little sooner than that. A little sooner than that? Yeah. More recent? More recent, yes. I was kind of shocked at this. 2,000-yard backs on the same team? Yeah. Is it Kanziri and LaShawn? LaShawn is right, but not Kanziri. And Akram? Daniels, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Akram. Yep, in so 2016. 2016. Yep. Hmm. They, uh, Akram Wadley had 1,081 yards, and LaShawn Daniels had 1,058 yards. Wow. There's been a couple of years where, you know, there was like 800, 900. Like, they almost had. Yeah, sure. But um, I look back on that team, I'm like, dang, we had... That or uh, Iowa had that much rushing, yeah. and uh, that was the year after the 2015 yeah. season. So I don't remember the record. That was the year where you know it was like eight and four, I think. Or yeah, they ended really, really strong, and then mm-hmm. Florida housed them in the bowl game. But that was, yeah, that was the big. Akram had that big cup back run against Nebraska. I think it was right before Riley McCarron had the long touchdown pass. I mean that that team closed so strong because it was it was shadows of 08 because I think they were five and four when Michigan came in and they went on the on the Keith Duncan field goal and that was kind of the spark of ending the rest of the regular season strong. It just didn't end uh same way oh, 08 right. did blowing out South Carolina in the Outback Bowl. This was a, a little tougher pill to swallow at the end of 16. But, yeah, boy. So it seven years then it's been since 2,000-yard uh, backs. It's interesting. Should I get into my trivia then? Yeah, why don't you take okay, it? Okay, so this is a uh, season opening trivia. So this is going to be Kirk Ferentz's 25th season opener as Iowa head coach. In the past 24 season openers for the Iowa offense, how many times on their first possession of the season has <laughs> Iowa's offense scored a touchdown, opening drive of the season? Scored a touchdown. Opening drive. Not last year. <laughs> um, I would probably, you know, I would probably say 10. Is that high? Okay. Um, Guess. Uh, I was going to go low. I'll say two. Nine times. Mm. 
in season openers has Iowa scored on their very first possession, 2001, 2002, 2005, 2008, 2010, 2014, 15, 16, and 2021 now. And again, that's a touchdown, right? This is a touchdown, not a field goal, touchdown. Break down how many passing, how many rushing out of those nine. (laughs) Nine rushing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes? Uh, Yeah, I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll go with my original number, two rushing, eight passing. There has never been a passing touchdown Whoa. when I was opening possession under the Kirk Ferentz era. That's wild. Wow. I was going to scored by that as a joke, but and you know we not seriously. Iowa usually seriously. plays an FCS or a, a low level MAC team. Yeah. And why would you want to open the you know open your playbook up? <laughs> Can't show them too much. <laughs> Can't show them too much. Jeremy Allen, Freddie Russell, Marcus Schnorr, Sean Green, Adam Robinson, Lashawn Daniels, C.J. Beathard. LaShawn Daniels and Tyler Goodson have had those season opening rushing touchdowns. In fact, in the first quarter of Iowa's 24 season openers under Kirk Ferentz, they have only had four passing touchdowns total. And in pure Iowa fashion, only one of those has been to a wide receiver. (laughs) 2008, Jake Christensen to Brandon Myers, tight end. 2006, Drew Tate to Albert Young, running back. 2005, Drew Tate to Clinton Solomon, there's our wide receiver. And 2003, Nathan Chandler to Aaron Mickens, a fullback. (laughs) In the veins, please. Brandon Myers had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He had a nice little little stretch there for sure. And as we've talked about, Clinton Solomon, he was uh, an indoor football league MVP at age 35, like six or seven years ago in the the CIF or whatever it was. Um, Dude, he's... Kind of gets swallowed up because it's 20 years later. When I was growing up. He's so so fun to go back and watch. He was one of my favorite players when I was growing up watching the Hawks, yeah. There's an argument he's maybe the number right behind Marvin, the number two wide receiver in the Ferens era. Yeah. He's... He's so good. He's so good. Um, Eddie Hinkle, of course, right up there too. But all right, uh, you've got a few more trivia questions here, Mike. Yeah, um, less trivia questions and then more like um, not trivia. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> uh, speaking of throwing touchdowns, um, Iowa. I was looking at some more stats and has had a QB throw for twenty five hundred yards three times, only three times in the past decade. Um, do you think Cade gets that this year? That's kind of like the, the barometer, I think, when I was looking at the stats, sure. 2,500 yards. I think he's right around there, maybe 24. Because, again, I, I think it's Caleb's offense, so to speak. They're, they're going to run. He's just going to be about efficiency and completing short to intermediate passes. I'm not going to be mad if he goes over 2,500 yards. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to assume those seasons have been – you said over the last decade? Yes. So I'd say at least two of those are Stanley's, right? Um, I 18, believe 19, so. 18, I, 19. 18 he did and 19 he And then I'd say, I don't even know if, see, oh, one of them's probably Rudox, 13 or 14. Uh, it was CJ's. Was it CJ? 15, yeah. In 15? Okay, he, he did. 2,800 yards. He had 2,800. He just didn't throw for that many touchdowns, right? 17. 17, yeah. No, um, 20 marker, which is a lot on an Iowa team. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I, I'd... I'll say he does, but not by much. And I don't think it's considered a quote-unquote failure if he only throws for like 24. Yeah. Because I think he'll be more efficient, Yeah, my thought. And again, they've got so many other weapons on the offense. You exactly, know, yeah. It's like, can you have a, you know, how do you have a 1,000-yard rusher and 2,500-yard? I mean, yep. you know, obviously you can, but um, it gets tough when you have At Iowa? <laughs> if you have a balanced offense and he goes, you know, 21 and, you know, Caleb has over 1,000, LaShawn has, you know, 500 to 800, like, I don't think anyone's complaining about that. Yeah. Um, do you guys think that Cade can have a thousand yards by the end of week four? 
So through Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, and Penn State? Yeah. Average 250 a game. I would assume, again, that he won't play all of Utah State or Western Michigan. So I'm going to say he won't be over 1,000. I'm going to say he won't, and also because Iowa State and Penn State are yeah. two, the two probably best defenses um, Iowa's going to play all season. Iowa State's defense should still be solid, and Penn State's got some athletes. I think if he can be between 700 and 800, that's good. Yeah. Okay. I think he could – yeah. He could. I, I really could see them letting him uncork a few uh, in, in those Utah State and Western Michigan games, especially let him really – aired out on a number of plays so i could see him get you know close to 300 yards maybe in hashtag let cade cook yeah (laughs) i wonder if that would be you know if they do that just so when you play those good defenses they're not going to stack the box and be like okay we have to respect this offense where in the past two years maybe you know teams didn't Mm -hmm. um and that would open up the running game in those games yeah makes sense all right Last question. Last question. Um, I was looking over. You know, Iowa's defense is ridiculous when it comes to turnovers. They've had 40 INTs the past two seasons, 15 last year, 25 the year before. 25 is a ridiculous number. 25 is an Um, insane number. They led the nation in defense touchdowns too last year. They were tied with one other team uh, with six. Um, Can they continue that production? It's almost like crazy that they do. I don't think they can do 20. 25 was just – I mean, it started right (laughs) against Indiana. Riley has two pick sixes. I mean, they just – just started and didn't stop. Yeah. I think they can find the middle ground again, though, in there. Have, you know, 17, 18. Again, Jamari coming back is going to be huge. Um, Xavier, will, I think we're all predicting, will have a nice year. We saw uh, more depth from the secondary show out in the in the scrimmage. Deshaun Lee had a couple of really nice plays. TJ Hall um, had a really great pick off a tip. Uh, Luke Lachey kind of got hit as he was catching and bobbled it, and TJ scooped it off the group just before it hit the ground and made a great pick. So, uh, yeah, I think the ball hawk tradition continued. Quinn Schulte, I think, only has one career interception. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a, a few more sitting back there playing center field, uh, being a quarterback, reading the, reading the offense the way he does. I don't know if you'd consider this a bold prediction based on Iowa defense, but I guess I could say I'll, I could see Iowa defense getting over 20 interceptions this year um, between – the amount of guys we've talked about in the secondary, a lot of athleticism in that linebacking group. Um, I think they could the twenties are attainable number with sure. with what they've got coming back. I'd say that's bold just because of the number, but yeah. I I could see it happening too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, they did twenty five two years ago. What, what's the what's only thing them? that would maybe keep it from being that point is is based on the offenses that they face. You know, if, yeah. if, when they get into Big Ten play, if they're facing a lot of run heavy offenses, you know, they might just not see a lot of passes thrown their way. I guess we'll see. We'll add one more air raid uh, on the on the schedule with us. There you go. That's <laughs> going to be a big one in Madison coming up there in uh, in October. All right, we're going to do Iowa game by game predictions, or do we just kind of pare this down to season records? I, I guess I can do. We, we can, can do, do game by game. I but um, I have some graphics, and we just went through. I, I did the first three, second three, sure. third three. Cool. All right, let's, well, let's put them on the screen. Uh, the first three, not really. I mean, we have. <laughs> We all have Iowa going three and There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to say it's going to be a cakewalk. I think Western Michigan in a few years can be really good under under their new head coach. I don't know what to think of Iowa State just with everything they're dealing with on the gambling side. I think we can all agree though, Utah State will be. I think to your point, Owen could could be a chance to maybe step on the gas a little bit and give the fans flat, something flash to a little bit. But it. also, are you going to be a little more protective of Cade? Make sure okay, like here he gets you know 
15 yeah. pass attempts, then give the rest to Deacon. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I was going to have any trouble in the non-con. I remember you and I and Curtis, when we were driving either to or from Dallas, we were kind of going through game by game predictions yeah. for Iowa football. And I initially had the Iowa state game as a loss you for did, Iowa. Yeah. Um, cause I really thought that, um, Hunter Deckers was going to have, you know, another big year and, um, he was going to really break out and put up some big numbers, but yeah, with all the turmoil going on at Iowa State, it's like, nah, I think it, uh, they're <laughs> think that their time has passed possibly. For sure. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty easy first three weeks. I have to imagine. So we stopped playing the names, but yeah. you know, with all the starters there, they lost like four from the gambling thing. Isaiah, um, or Jarrell Brock is, was a stud. Yeah. He's gone. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And then the fir- the following three weeks certainly uh, get a little tougher as you get in the league at Penn State. Uh, yep, I figured we'd all be on the same page. That's, <laughs> that's just so tough to, to go into Happy Valley against that team. Penn State's I think they're legit really national good. title they're, contenders. They're very yeah. good. Michigan State winning at home and then Purdue on homecoming. I think that's I, – I think uh, Spartans will be a little better than they were last year. I think Purdue could still be steady. Hudson Card's going to be a good quarterback for the Boilermakers, even with uh, – the shift over from the the Brom era, but yeah, I think those are two wins that two wins that Iowa can get on the the Peacock debut against Michigan State too. Again, not an ad for Peacock, but uh, that's mm-hmm. where that game will be. Yeah, and then uh, Michigan State is is one that I I kind of thought about as a possible loss, um, just just as one of those games that you know, uh, Iowa just kind of has those games every year, as every Big Ten team does, where it's a game where you kind of think it's going to be a win, and then. Just gets a little bit stickier than you think, and so uh, Michigan State could be could be a troublesome game. But we'll, we'll especially if they're coming off a loss from Penn State, maybe there's uh, maybe there's more sure uh, motivation there. Michigan know. State's quarterback situation, I think they're still figuring out. Shame on me if they've had some updates and I haven't figured that out. But uh, Peyton Thorne's gone there, so they're I think they're still working on who's under center and in shotgun uh, for the Spartans. So we'll see what they figure out. I'm sure it'll be figured out by the end of September when they come in. As for the back half of the schedule, again Wisconsin. You're heading to Madison. That's a big one to start uh, the back half of the season. Owen's got them as a loss. That's it's it wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't yeah. shock me. Um, more or less, I I do think that this year will largely come down to the Iowa Wisconsin game, as it does seemingly mm-hmm. every year. Um, and I think that the home field advantage is what kind of seals it for Wisconsin. Just just kind of. I mean. Wisconsin's got a lot of great defensive players coming back this year. I know they're losing some weapons on offense, but a lot of defense coming back, and um, so they're going to be another team that's uh, probably the, the toughest, outside of Penn State, obviously the toughest Big Ten game on Iowa's schedule. And um, Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think that that's going to be a, a tough tough one for Iowa on the road. Mike, you went with Iowa at Madison, your rationale? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a toss-up. Um I don't have much more analysis than that. I, you know, I, I'm interested yeah. to see how Wisconsin plays this year. Yeah, They've got a yeah. new coach, new offense. Mm-hmm. They do have some weapons, though. Um, is it Braylon Allen? He's yeah. like a Heisman contender or it's on the short list right now. Yeah. Tanner Mordecai threw for like 8,000 yards. I know it's a different, going to be a little different system, but if their first six games that offense gets chugging along, it will be a tough matchup. Yeah. But I just need to see them do it against Big Ten competition before I – let Wisconsin, you know, put them as a loss. Sure. Never thought we'd say it's going to come down to, for the Heartland Trophy, Iowa's secondary against Wisconsin's passing game. <laughs> but, again, as Kirk says, it's a new world we live in. Uh, I'm surprised you guys are, are going with the Gophers. This was a tough one for me, too. Uh, again, that game back in Iowa City for the Battle of the Florida-Rosedale. Uh, Minnesota has not beat Iowa under P.J. Fleck. It's They're due, certainly. It's wild that they've beat Wisconsin one as many the times as they have. the reason why I had them. 
the extra juice that sure. you know, PJ is going to want this one. Yeah. I think Iowa's won like eight in a row. Yeah. Those streaks do not happen a lot. Um, I think Iowa is a better team, but I just think the Gophers catch us. Yeah. Or catch uh, Iowa. It's yeah. It's not much to do with it other than, you know, the, the it's due factor. Uh, just that, um, PJ even said that the other day that a lot of people, the Minnesota state fair have been asking him, you know, when are you going to beat Iowa? Question question yeah. Hawkeyes. And it's, it's gotta happen eventually. And I could see this being the year that, that it happens. If it was in Minnesota, I think I would take, cause I, Minnesota's going to be my number two team in the big 10 West. I, they're, they're good at Calac Manis is again, after getting knocked around by Iowa, he went into Madison the next week. Again, not the Madison, the standard, the Badgers have had the last couple of years he Threw for 300 yards in that game as a redshirt freshman going into Madison and helping Minnesota when they act. He's a really good quarterback. They're going to have Sean Tyler, a, a transfer from Western Michigan, coming in for the uh, running back. He was a 1,000-yard rusher in the MAC. He's going to be good with Bryce Williams, who's backed up every great running back at Minnesota the last few years. So they're they're going to be tough. Bryn Spanford's probably the best tight end in the league, I would say. Uh, Minnesota's going to have weapons, but it's at Iowa. I man, BJ, you're my guy. I want I want you to get the trophy eventually. I just don't think it'll be this year. Moving on to Northwestern. Any, any, L's, <laughs> any L's over this next uh, this next block? I, I, I don't have any. Okay. I had wow, Illinois. I think guy. Illinois is underrated in the Big Ten. Their They're defensive tough. line is one of the best in the conference, and um, they've got a lot of talent on the defense. You know, that would put us at two. That would put Iowa at two uh, home losses, which, you know, I guess might seem unlikely, but there's always games where it seems like. These are all going to be one-score yeah. games yeah, either the, way, right? <laughs> you could probably add. You know, depending on Nebraska. Nebraska could be good at the end of the year, too. I like Matt Rule as a coach. I think he's good at least at the college level, maybe not for the Carolina Panthers, but you could throw that one in there. And if we're going to have, if if I was going to have like four toss up games, then. You it's tough to, to win all of them. Yeah, you I'm I'm very going glass half full. If you if you've done the math here, I've got Iowa going 11 and one, which is that <laughs> that loss to Penn State. So Owen, you've got them what nine and three? Yeah, and oh, and, and Mike's got them nine and three. Nine and three. Uh, Nebraska was another one where I was tempted to pick Nebraska in that game, being a road game um, over there. I don't know. They always bring it, and I think Matt Rule's going to uh, punch Nebraska up a little bit. Sure. Should we? I don't know if we should. Do, for our audio only listeners, I feel like we haven't done a good job <laughs> well, yeah. of actually saying what what our predictions are. Please for watch on YouTube. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we've had graphics up and everything. Just a reminder, yeah, if, if you are only listening to this, if you go to the YouTube channel, we've got with the power of television. That's, that's Iowa's uh, News Now. Iowa's News YouTube. Now, the YouTube channel, uh, or just if you search "Eye on the Hawks," um, these should start popping up. Some of the old ones might as well. But yeah, we've got all sorts of pretty graphics and videos and, and sound bites for you to watch as well. So. All right, I, I would say, yeah, if they finish anywhere between 9-3 and three and 11-1, and one, that's considered a, a good year. Anytime you can win nine in the regular season, that's a big deal. If they, if they fall to 8-4 and four or something like that, I think that's when you're, you're pulling the collar a little bit. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not that, great. That was kind of my next question. I wonder if 9-3 you know, and three is, is, let's say, 90% of Hawkeye Nation pleased with 9-3. and three. Depends on where you're finishing in the West, I suppose. I think yeah, that's yeah. that's going to be the decider. Is nine and three good enough to win the West? You could argue it. I know Wisconsin only plays Ohio State. Correct. Yeah. Question mark. Minnesota plays both Ohio State and Michigan. I think they host Michigan and go to Columbus. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, I think. Do they host the Buckeyes? I'm pulling their sure. schedule up. They play. They host the Buckeyes yeah. and they, the other crossover crossovers, Rutgers. And uh, Indiana, at Indiana. You'd think I would look this up or at least have it definitively in That's my head. Fine. But why would I do that? Um, but, yeah, Minnesota has – So they got the two I, weakest teams in the East and, you know, arguably one of the best. So Minnesota, I believe, hosts Michigan. My my big shock of the year, if you want to call it that, is that Minnesota beats Michigan. Hmm. 
I think, you know. Little brown jug, right? It's, Minnesota has had the little brown jug in a row. Again, it's, it's wild that for the longest time, Minnesota couldn't win Paul Bunyan's axe, and they had some gut-wrenching losses to Wisconsin in that. And now they've won it a couple times under, under PJ. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's kind of their two th- or 2019 Penn State game. Where they, Minnesota's crossovers are tough. They, they do have a tough schedule. But I, again, that, that team's... At home against Michigan, at home against Michigan State, and then on the road in Columbus. Yeah, that'll be tough. I, th- I think they lose... I think they lose to Ohio State. I think they might drop another one in there. They could drop the Michigan game, but... Um, it's a good transition to get into the Big Ten West. All right, let's look at our, our West standings. We just kind of picked the order we think everything will go. Mike, how do you got these? I got you going first. Me first. Uh, so, yeah, at 11-1, I have Iowa one in the Big Ten West. Minnesota, again, even with that tough schedule, I think they're going to be really good. So I've got them number two. Again, it could come down to that game in, in Iowa City deciding things. Wisconsin, I think by the back end, maybe November, they'll be really, really tough. Um, as that offense really starts clicking, but I've got them third. Illinois, people are sleeping on them. Jim Leonard, even though he's not officially on staff, I think he'll have a really good impact on that defense. Offense, I think he'll find some stuff as well. So they're fourth. They could easily interchange with Illinois. Again, Hudson Card's going to help that Purdue offense move on from the uh, from the era. They just came out of Nebraska, maybe a year away with Rule as they get things settled in the Northwestern. You just you hope for the best there. Ben Bryant, a Cincinnati transfer, who's obviously had success with the Bearcats. He's their quarterback. So I, I don't think they're going to finish 11-1. I think they'll win a game on U.S. soil this year. But um, just everything going on in Evanston, I, I think they're they're your last place team in the West. I had some interesting conversations right, with um, some folks when I was at the City High Joliet Catholic game the other night. Just oh, sure. Some, a little bit of insight on the Northwestern stuff just – um, yeah, about, I mean, them telling me about all the guys that are leaving and they've got some Julia Catholic alums that are playing for Northwestern and sure. Um, yeah, tough deal. Um, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've, I'm doing my best just not to be a complete Iowa Homer on this podcast. Um, <laughs> even though I'm not, you know, I don't consider myself an Iowa Homer at least, but just not buying into all the hype behind Cade and the offense and everything this year. So that's why that's partially why I pick Wisconsin to, to win the big 10 West um, going back to the game that uh, I said that I, I predicted them to lose in Madison. I think that's again, like I said, what it's going to come down to in the big 10 West. So Wisconsin one, Iowa two. Um, yeah. I put Nebraska three again, just kind of trying to bot, believe in Matt rule. This might just come from living in Sioux city for a few years and, <laughs> hearing a lot of the Nebraska hype that I just keep thinking that they're, you know, just a year away from turning the corner and being nationally relevant again. And so maybe thinking that Matt Rule is going to come in and, you know, potentially be a big 10 coach of the year um, candidate based on what he does. And so uh, I could see them, you know, making a push there uh, for, yeah, the reasons, like I said, Minnesota up there, Illinois. Um, I, I don't really know much to what to think about Purdue, I guess, but um yeah, I kind of got. I mean, I, I think it's going to be similar to last year, where it's like there's just a lot of um, uh, a log jam in the middle there, where sure. you know, from Purdue to Nebraska could be, you know, you know, just one week could could move somebody from third to six in the Big Ten yeah. West um, and Northwestern at the bottom, as uh, any smart analyst would <laughs> would pick right now. Mike, what do you got? I have Wisconsin winning the West. Mm. All right. Um, mainly because you know I do consider myself a Hawkeye fan. Uh, if I had Iowa winning, they would I would jinx. I it. would consider you a Hawkeye fan too. That's fine. <laughs> I didn't want to jinx it, so I got Iowa two, Illinois three. Again, I think they're underrated. Uh, we saw last year when they played Iowa, very good defense, and um, all, all throughout the season, I think they had an eight and five year. I think they do around the same uh, next year or this season. 
Minnesota at four, Nebraska at five. I do think Nebraska is a year away at contending. You know, there's no divisions next year, but if there are some sort of, you know, I don't know how they're going to do the schedule, to be honest, but I think they'll be in that top four or five in the, in the second or third year of rules era. Purdue at six and Northwestern at seven. I think we were all agreeing on Northwestern. To the east. I'll start with the east. Um, I think Michigan, they went to the playoff last year. They bring back, you know, McCarthy and Blake Corum. I think they're going to win the East. I think that those any of those three teams, uh, I got Michigan one, Penn State two, Ohio State three. Wow. Any of those three teams I think could win, yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they all ended up like 11-1 and one and they all lost against each other as well. <laughs> Maryland with uh, Tua's brother. Uh, what's his name? Takavailoa, yeah. his last name. Yeah, Talia, I think. Yeah, Talia. He's good. He's going to put Maryland fourth. Michigan State at five. I just don't know what to expect out of the Spartans. Yeah. Are they going to be two years ago Michigan State with ten wins or eleven wins? How many they had? Or last year's where they won like you know four games? Uh, Rutgers at six. Indiana at seven. Any reason why Indiana is at the bottom? I mean, just. Uh, I don't know much you know about them. I, I don't know I think, very much. I think but. Rutgers. I mean, both teams have have a tough schedule because they have to play in the East. Yeah. But I do like, you know, Shiano's back, and I, I think he's a decent head coach. Uh, I like them, the head coach, more than Indiana's, and yeah. I'm blanking on whoever that is. Tom. Right? <laughs> yeah, <Boy>. I think so. <laughs> We're getting exposed. Listen. It's early, kind of. This is a Hawkeye podcast. I, I was going to say, I, I think that Indiana had a new co- coach this year. I think they fired their own He's going to get there first. Uh Tom Allen, yeah, I was right. I want to say Tom Herman. I knew that wasn't right. It's Tom Allen, guys. Tom Allen. I knew that. Yeah. Everybody knew that. All so right, well, now that we've... season, we should know that by now. Now that we've <laughs> really established how much we know about this, let's continue our Big East predictions with me. Uh, yes, oh, that's West. Oh, whoops. Big East. There we go. There we go. Um, Mike and I had a pact. I thought that we were both going to pick Penn State, but things hmm. have changed. Uh, that backfield for Penn State, I think Drew Aller is hyped up. Um I think it's a bit, not a down year, because they'll still be really good, but Michigan and Ohio State, uh, you know, Ohio State's trying to find their new quarterback. I think that's tough. I think it's tough for Michigan to keep things elevated. I don't, listen, Harbaugh being out for the first three games isn't a huge deal in the long long term, but I, I think something will just be off with Michigan. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe I'm just trying to <laughs> pick something different and new, but I, I think Penn State wins the East. The, like you said, Mike, I think if they, if things click, they could – be a playoff team and, and challenge whoever else for the for the national title. Maryland fourth for the same reason, and then Michigan State Rutgers, Indiana for mostly the same reasons. Indiana coached by Tom Allen. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. Tom. Never Allen. heard of him. <laughs> okay, I knew his first name was Tom. I just, <laughs> yeah, the only reason I went off the Penn State thing is I went game through game yesterday when I was watching the Notre Dame game. Once I had them all, I'm like, oh, Penn State has more losses than. Or no, they each had. They were each were eleven and one, and I had Michigan beating them. So I was like, well, if I. Sure. True to myself, I th- if I admit Michigan's going to win, then they're going to have tiebreaker. Again, it, it could it's same like the West. It could be Iowa or Wisconsin. Minnesota again could get hot too. It could be Michigan, Michigan or Michigan, Penn State or Ohio State. Yeah. Like, think, none of that's going to surprise anybody. I think the reason too was Penn State plays at Michigan. They have Ohio State at home, mm-hmm. so I believe if that's the case, those are the you know, the easiest win sure. would be against Ohio State. All right, let's go with Owen's Big East or Big Ten East predictions. Hello, Buckeyes at the top. Um, yeah, I, I liked Ohio State, just uh, uh, another maybe bold Big Ten prediction, maybe not too bold because he's got a lot of hype, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr. could yeah. be Heisman possible winner this year. I mean, he's, he's incredible. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think I like Ohio State. Michigan, I, I think I had the same thought as you kind of vocalized, Mitch, just about them having a little something off. I mean, Harbaugh's going to be missing the first three games. Yeah. Um, Not that that's going to have a huge – once you get in the league, I don't, right. I don't think it'll matter. But it's just – Vibes are off, man. Vibes are off. Well, these last two years that they've won the Big Ten, I mean, remember those years before, they were right there. It took a fumbled snap against Michigan State in 20. There was just always something. And I'm not looking into a crystal ball and predicting some sort of random doom, but it just, it always felt like, I mean, the chaos of the season, something would happen that would throw something off. I don't know who J.J. McCarthy's backup is now, but like, say J.J. gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Cade's not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to have to have somebody else. So, yeah. not again, just it feels like there's always something. Things have been great these last two years. Maybe it, it could be something. Yeah. Do, so, nothing, and Penn State's good. Penn no, State's really, really good. Nothing against Penn State. I've got them third. I mean, yeah, that could go anywhere from first to third. Who knows? Uh, Michigan State, just kind of on pedigree alone, I put there at fourth. Um, you know, they're a team that, uh, even after. A, a, a tough year they could come back and be a team that is respectable makes a decent bowl game um, bottom three Tom Allen's boys <laughs> put them in fifth uh, to see if I can expose this any further can you guys name uh, Maryland's head football coach Mike X starts with an E <laughs> I forgot it Mike uh, Loxley oh there you go there we go nice not, it doesn't start with an E it starts with an L <laughs> it does not start with an E. Um, We've taken a lot of L's today as we learn about the <laughs> Big Ten East coaching staff. Uh, and then Maryland and Rutgers just, you know, yeah, whatever. Those teams are not going to be all that good. All right. Well, now that we've established our <laughs> – boy, that's rough. That's rough. we got a lot to show. Um, <laughs> to be fair, you know, Iowa podcast, we're looking at the Big Ten West. Come on. And we don't uh, – Iowa doesn't play Maryland. Yeah, uh, what am I supposed to know about Rutgers football? Here. Give me a break. <laughs> they do play Rutgers. <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, we need to put a ball on this thing ASAP then. Uh, do we want to get into recruiting notes? Do we want to do anything else with uh, to wrap this thing up? Yeah. Um, week one of the high school football season was just this past weekend. I know I went to a, a game, um, Central City versus Winfield Mount Union, with a couple of D1 prospects. Um, Cam Buffington was just the real deal. I mean, it was eight-man football. But when I got there, they were down 10. And he just scored three touchdowns, like <laughs> throughout the throughout the uh, the course of the game. Mm -hmm. It was um, he was just a man amongst boys out there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let's let's talk high school football because this is I feel like where my knowledge is. <laughs> you guys know all the Hawkeye stuff. I know the high school stuff. Um, yeah, Cam Buffington is uh, is going to be like I mean, it's going to just be a joke what he does to opposing a man defenses this year. Um, as we've talked about, the uh, Winfield Mountain Union has two Division One uh, talents on the run. <laughs> Gosh, just look at him at linebacker. Um, we should note be, that he is a. Um, we're playing some video right now on for for the video YouTube podcast. Yeah, he um, is a hawk. He's a linebacking backer recruit, right? That's what hawk. What he's committed to Iowa as. He is planning on linebacking. He plays running true. back as well. Um, but yeah, he's a running back, and yeah, just going to shred some defenses this year. Um, well spoken kid. They've got another kid on the team, Abram Edwards, who's um, going to play tight end at Army, um, and. Uh, I didn't know much about him coming in this year. Their coach told me that he put on 30 pounds in the offseason, so he's bulked up quite a bit. But, um, yeah, another situation where it's like if a team just somehow manages to contain Cam Buffington on some certain week, then you've got Abram Edwards to deal with, and that's going to be tough. But um, Buffington, yeah, I mean, that was against a team that um, – I mean, Central City was, I think, ranked like third in the state to, in the yeah, principles. They're good, yeah. good eight-man I think they were ranked ahead of – Weren't they ranked ahead of Winfield? Or was yeah, Winfield yeah, second? Yeah, I think they yeah. were three and Winfield was fourth. Yeah. Um, so, good but, game. 
yeah, he's he's a fun kid. I talked to him a little bit in preseason. Good personality. Um, fun guy to talk to. Um, he's going to be something some enjoyable fall this year. I don't know how much we're going to actually get a chance to see of them just because they're a little bit far away. That's a good hour down the road in just settles territory. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, it's, it's, he's going to be a fun team to follow. And I, I imagine we'll be seeing them in the dome come, come early November. Totally. And he's already committed to the Hawks, but, yeah. um, one who's not, but he's on, I was radar. He's pretty much on everyone's radar. You got to watch him, right? I won last night Nick at Kennedy Brooks, yeah. Dowling. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Kennedy Dowling game and, uh, as I was shooting, Offensive highlights for Kennedy. I feel like seventy-five percent of my clips are just following Nick Brooks to see what he. I did. got the video you posted on Twitter. Ed <laughs> yeah. Owen Sebring. He posted a, a like a highlight clip. Yeah. Of just a ma- even in five A, he's was clearly the biggest guy. Just the size of him was yes very impressive. Comparing him both to Dowling and Kennedy, the rest of their lineup, I'm just like this kid is just a giant. And Dowling's uh, one of the he best. Doesn't even look like he's state. trying. <laughs> you know, it's just it's effortless. Though. Yeah. I mean, and I know he's trying. <laughs> yeah, you have to think so because there, there's always the argument. I mean, we're going to talk about Cody Fox in a little bit, but you know, Cody Fox does some of these same things, but it's against Class A competition, which is you know very different than what he's going to face in the Big Ten. But you know, again, the, um, Nick Brooks is doing this against not just a five A team, but Dowling Catholic, who's perennially you know absolutely one of the best teams in Iowa. You know, won what what was it seven eight championships in a row, something like that. Yeah. Um, and always a semifinalist, and so he's doing this against guys who uh, probably are a lot of future Division One players. Very impressive performance from him, yeah. And then six eight three fifty. I mean, he's holy smokes! His weight room numbers already are just. <laughs> it's it is amusing. I mean, they'll I'm have like, to I, if he goes to Iowa, they'll just have to build a whole new wall. I mean, uh, <laughs> yes. that kid's gonna be unreal wherever yeah. he goes. They'll My, probably have to. Mike, you were saying you were there last night, and it is just incredible just to see him. You're, it's just comical seeing him get amongst high school players, just because he is just truly a giant. I when mean, I first got there pregame, I was like, all right, I, I didn't have a roster. I'm like, all right, oh, <laughs> I, I think I got him. <laughs> um, I have his rivals page open right now, and just he has offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, all the, you know, Ooh. Ohio State, Penn State. 25 offers. We, we unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to him in the preseason. Um, Curtis Fader went out and did the preview for them, and uh, he was not at practice that day. Um, I don't know if he was on a visit somewhere or what was going on, but um, he just wasn't there, so didn't get a chance to chat with him. So, um, yeah, I know, but, but seems like a really solid kid with a good head on his shoulders, um, has, has good relationships with the media. I mean, he goes around and, you know, fist bumping guys that he's talked to or, you know, waving at guys that, you know, have interviewed him or taken pictures in the past. So he's, uh, he's just a fun kid to follow. And, uh, he would very much uh, ingratiate himself to Iowa fans if he were to pick the Hawkeyes just based on the last big offensive line recruit that went down south to Alabama. <laughs> he could really make a, make a good name for himself. Well, I believe he's starting on, on Alabama's O-line. Is that right? Yeah. I think oh, that's, man. The, uh, that's the word out of, out of Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Another big uh, recruit that you got to see uh, earlier this year, went to the practice at least, uh, yeah. Cody Fox. I know people are really excited about him. Who They took an L on Friday night, actually. Yeah, yeah lost tough. to Sumner Fredericksburg. I think I saw it was the very last play of the game. Sumner Fredericksburg scored a touchdown, and then they ended up winning it in overtime. Yeah. Um, so a tough way to go uh, to lose your first game. I really thought East Buck was going to be a potential title contender, too. But, yeah, Cody Fox, another big kid that, yeah, when I first showed up at practice, I'm like, okay, I think I've got an idea of who I'm looking for here. Um, very tall, just, uh, I mean, I loved seeing this. You could see it out of him in practice and his coaches talked about it too, just how he was such a strong leader on the team, um, encouraging others, helping teach some of the younger kids, um, 
very vocal leader, not just a guy that goes out there and does his own thing. He's, you know, like you see there, he's fist bumping people and he's um, helping the guys out around him. So um, he's he's a guy that could, you know, if if the talent is there at Iowa, he could be a team captain in a couple of years too because uh, because of his leadership abilities, I think as well. Um, the the comparisons to Robert Gallery are are natural, just with um, there's a lot of I, East Buck players that played at Iowa, right? What's that? A lot of East Buck players that actually went on and played at Iowa, yeah. right? Well, yeah, mostly out of just two families between <laughs> Robert Gallery and was it Nick? Is that his older brother's name, Nick Gallery, who's a punter? Right. Yeah. Um, and then Cody Fox's older brother, uh, I don't think ever actually saw any on-field action, but he was on the roster at Iowa. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he too is just a, a giant that's gonna you know push around a lot of Class A offenses or Class A defenses this year. And Cody Fox also led East Buck in tackles, I think, last season. So he's a good defensive lineman um, as well. But he'll be playing OT at Iowa. He play he lines up at right guard for East Buchanan just based on the style of offense that they run. That's kind of the just best position yeah. for him, but imagine they'll move him outside to tackle once he gets to Iowa City. Uh, well, real quick wrap up with uh, shifting to women's basketball, recruiting a big win for Bluters Bunch. Journey Houston's going to be a Hawkeye. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to see her or talk much to some of the folks that cover her down in the Quad Cities. We got some footage of her playing for Davenport North. I think it is maybe one of the most impressive things that she just finished her sophomore season and she wild, yeah. last year averaged 18 points, nine rebounds a game. Um, led them to the Class 5A state quarterfinals, which when you're playing for a public school in Davenport, there are not a lot of teams that are making the state tournament out of that area. And so um, her being able to lead that team to a 21-3 and record and get them to state is uh, is a big accomplishment, just as a sophomore as well. So much excitement over women's basketball. you got Fry Fest coming up on Friday. I think they've got a women's basketball autograph session from like 5 to 6. I can't imagine what the line is going to be like for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be live down there. So hopefully – Hopefully show you that. And, of course, tickets still selling for uh, the crossover at Kinnick. It feels more and more like they're going to fill that place up. That's so, going to be something special. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I actually bought three tickets to that um, before. I don't know if it's it, – tic- I, what I was reading on Twitter is that the tickets were, you know, going like hotcakes when they, they started selling them. But it's awesome to see that this Final Four run is leading to – what is she? She's a five-star on ESPN. Yeah. Like, yeah. the future is bright, and can you know, that – wave of Caitlin Clark and the last, you know, six years of women's basketball excellence. Can that turn Iowa into a powerhouse with the names of, you know, Tennessee yeah. and, and UConn? That, that's the goal. And if you keep getting more recruits like this, you know, five stars, that's, you know, it'd be interesting to see over the next 10 years if they can actually yeah. do that. I think Journey was number 19 in the country. Something it's like up there, that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to see it. I <laughs> have a hard time seeing it become Tennessee-UConn level yeah. of excellence, but... I would, you know, again, if the recruiting continues and this t- play continues, I could see them becoming maybe like a, a Stanford or something that, you know, picks up a natty somewhere in there and is always at least like a Elite Eight contender or something yeah. like that. Just Ed, keep winning Big Ten titles. That's yeah. that start, <laughs> Nothing start, wrong with that. Start there, go anyway. Nothing wrong with being Stanford. We'll see, though. For though, uh, for next time, though, we won't be talking about Stanford, of course. We'll be talking about Utah State and Iowa football as we get ready. For the season opener, we filled up plenty of time. We've learned a lot about what we know and don't know about the names of some coaches in different divisions. We will be better. It's early. We'll watch some film. We'll keep hashing things out and moving on to next week. We will see you guys Thursday on Eye on the Hawks. We'll break down that season opener against Utah State. We'll hear from 
Farron's and company on Tuesday, and we'll bring you those sound bites too. And then remember next Sunday, when we get into the game analysis of Utah State, we'll have a live stream on YouTube. Please watch that as we break down that game, send your comments, um, school us on what we do and don't know. Much obliged. So for ONC bringing Mike Howell, I'm Mitch Fick. We will see you on Thursday as we get ready to kick off 2023 on Eye on the Hawks.